Hello and welcome to the Colorado Switchblade Podcast. I'm Jason Van Taten of your host, and it's a snowy and storming Friday evening here in Estes Park, Colorado. Today I wanted to tell you the story of an Estes Park local that is right now facing the full blunt force trauma of the Estes Park housing crisis. This past week he was served with eviction papers. Not because he's ever been late with rent. In fact, during his entire tenure of his seven years of renting his apartment here in Estes Park, he has never been late with rent once. He's not being evicted because he has a messy home. When I visited his apartment, it was cleaner than many of the apartments I had had when I lived on my own. He lives alone with no pets and has a quiet lifestyle. He's been a bartender at one of the major resorts here in town for the past seven years. So the real question is, why is this seemingly ideal renter and established community member being evicted? To better understand that question, I think we need to go back to the explosive events that took place last December up near the hospital. It was December 16th, and up in the ABC's neighborhood, which for those of you who are not locals to Estes, is the Aspen, Birch, Columbine neighborhood near Estes Park Health, the hospital here in town. And that night at approximately 7.30 p.m., residents received emergency alerts to lock their windows and doors and shelter in place, and they requested people keep out of the area if they were not already there. At a, then at approximately 10.30 p.m., residents in the area reported hearing two loud booming sounds. Um, and shortly after, there was another message telling residents the area was now safe to return. We actually live in that neighborhood, me and my family, and we remember hearing, not only did we get the reverse 911 calls uh, telling us to shelter in place, and that was scary enough as it was, other than just being a few blocks over. Um, but we actually felt the, the percussion grenades, um, flashbangs, whatever it is they were using to enter the house. It came through our walls and our windows. So, you know, and, and the story behind that is there was um, at 7.30 earlier in the, the evening, a Spark police received a credible tip that a suspect wanted on several outstanding warrants from Estes Park and other jurisdictions across the state was located at a residence in that apartment building that the gentleman we're talking to tonight lived in. He actually was just on the lower floor and the unit opposite the one that the police raided. Um, and they, they did this to make contact with suspect Shane Root, who's age 32 of Estes Park. Root barricaded himself inside the residence uh, while Estes Park police secured the perimeter and attempted negotiations. When that failed because of the seriousness of the suspect's charges, uh, they called upon the Larimer County All-Hazards Crisis Response Team, which is kind of a multi-jurisdictional SWAT team. Uh, we saw the same SWAT team used... Uh, back when Captain Rose had his incident and subsequent suicide. Um, so Root was wanted on eight active warrants from Estes Park and other Colorado agencies, including assault in the second degree, strangulation in relation to domestic violence, vehicular eluding, felony menacing, possession of weapons by a previous offender, assault, reckless driving, and reckless endangerment. Root was also issued a summons for failure to leave the premises. 
Now, I should note that the charges are allegations and the suspect is considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. The district attorney's office for the 8th Judicial District is now responsible for the case. So now let's just go ahead and jump into the interview. It's with a gentleman named Samuel Molina, who's 52 years old. He goes by Sam, and he's lived in Colorado for about 20 years the last 10 of which he's lived in Estes Park. He's a bartender at the Dunraven at the Estes Park Hotel that he's worked in that job for the last seven years. And I'd like to just let him tell the story in his own words. So let's go ahead and start that interview. And so in your own words, describe what happened. Um, Before we get into that, tell me about your history here in Estes Park. what, What brought you to town? Um, how long you've been here, how long you've been at this residence specifically, um, and the type of work you do. So I have been in town back and forth uh, because I've lived in Fort Collins in Denver. I've been in Colorado for about 20 years, and I've been in Estes Park probably at least 10 years of that time. Um, and what I've done and what I do here in town is I'm a bartender. Okay. I worked, I worked for many years at the Stanley Hotel, and I've worked uh, at some other places. Currently, I work at the Dunraven okay. uh, at the Estes Park Resort, and I've been working there since 2013. Okay, so many years. Yeah. And how long ago did you first move into this apartment? I moved into this apartment uh, in 2014. Um, and it was managed by a different property management company than it was managed, that's currently managing it. So it was Range Property uh, that uh, was managing the property. They run it on behalf of a gentleman that lives in Chicago, Illinois. His name is Nick Stanitz. They have his business in Chicago is um, uh, building and developing like residential homes. And so he has uh, a company manage his property here. Well. Uh, after two years with Range, I think they closed their business. They shut down, and so uh, Ponderosa Realty took over, and they've been managing the property ever since. And when did they take over? I believe it was. I have all the papers, but I believe it was 2016. Okay. Um, or maybe 2015, somewhere there. Um, and so they've been running it ever since, and I've never had any problems paying them. Uh, no issues with with rent. I have had. They're not a very uh, uh, responsive company. I guess is the best way I can put it. So uh, they have been rather combative ever since they took over the property. And uh, there were some issues with flooding. Uh, this this building has flooded. I think three times since the flood, or including the flood of 2013. And so. Uh, I first kind of had some issues in communicating with them because this building in particular is sort of in the floodplain. And so this unit and the neighboring unit on the ground floor, they both flooded in 2013. And then there were a couple of floods after that that affected the other unit. And uh, during those, that flood time, I went in the back and kind of examined the, the hillside and where, how the water flows and it seems that we're kind of smack dab in the floodplain. I went to the floodplain manager here in town years ago. I have, this is their, uh, their satellite imagery of, of the property. That's building B right there. Um, and so you can see the contour lines. 
but uh, uh, basically to, to fix the flooding problem, the owner or Ponderosa Realty, whoever would have had to build some kind of diversion ditch or some sort of a feature to move the water from coming straight into this building. And so uh, we went back and forth on this. They were not very interested in, in doing anything about it. And because I didn't want to rock the boat, I kind of I let it lie because I could sense that this was just going to like bring on more trouble. Uh, and I'm just a, a single tenant in a one-bedroom apartment. And I wasn't prepared at that time to take on a big fight, so I left it. Uh, can you give me examples when you say they were combative? Can you illustrate that a little bit for me? Uh, well, I mean, they're... I mean, I, the the, the, more re the most recent communications have been the ones that are like are fresh in my mind. Right. Um, but it, it it's pretty much a pattern that that's been going on for years, and the, many of the other tenants in here have similar stories to report as far as their communication with Ponderosa Realty. But uh, um, when I it, it, leading up to the events uh, of December sixteenth with the Shane Root arrest. I had to contact them numerous times, and and I don't really want to. I don't want to be the bother, but like I I feel like I need to speak up, otherwise things just seem to deteriorate. So uh, a few months ago, this neighboring unit, which is currently occupied, was abandoned by the previous uh, tenant, and when they came in to to redo the floors and paint it and fix it, whatever they did. Their workers must have stayed here like overnight while they were working on it during the day. And there were like big garbage bags I took photos of that were ripped apart by animals, uh, refuse all over the yard. Uh, when I spoke to them about that, they didn't really want to hear about it. And when uh, I spoke about, I, I called in, I guess, November 18th, I called them about. Uh, this unmarked car where a gentleman was e eating, sleeping, and using the laundry machines. And I kind of have reason to believe that that's, that was the guy, uh, Shane Root. But, um, and I'm trying to find that out now through some information I'm getting from the district court in Fort Collins. But uh, uh, Glenn, when I spoke to Glenn, you know, he said, why don't you get their license plates? And I'm like, well, I can't because there aren't license plates on the car. And this is really suspicious. And then he said, why don't you call the police? And I'm like, I'm not the manager of this property. Like, I'm reporting it to you because that's where I'm supposed to go before I pull in the police. But it, it and, and it wasn't so nicely worded, right. shall we say, in the, in the moment. Right. Um, and so... Uh, there was then there was a mattress that was abandoned by the uh, the garbage dumpster that kind of sat it sat on the property for three months it kind of moved it, it I don't know what was going on with it but it wasn't addressed um, Seth uh, Glenn's son came in person to visit the property for whatever reason and I you know I kind of caught him and I said can, what can we do about this mattress that's been here for you know over two months at this point oh we'll take care of it we'll take care of it well. It, a month later, it wasn't taken care of. And this was after I had made the call where Glenn said, call the police. So I did what he asked. I, I called the code enforcement. And then they called him. 
and then I know that like because these calls kind of came you know frequently this year that when I after the Shane Root arrest and the SWAT team and and the concussion charges flashbangs whatever they threw in here uh, and the threat that that posed to me and other residents as far as our safety when I called them they were defensive combative they hung up on me twice that day so bring us to that day you just describe what what your experience was with that uh, interaction that happened with the SWAT team and the police so that was in the evening I was here we're just watching TV finishing my dinner uh, it was uh, around 10 in the evening thereabouts and I started hearing shouting and dogs barking and yelling and I didn't know what it was at first and so I, I took a peek out there and I'm like oh okay there's police here and they're going upstairs because there's somebody they're after and I recall that there had been this sort of all points bulletin about Shane Root uh, you know the week before all this went down so uh, so I kind of just stayed here in in my place I was like I said watching TV and hoping that it would be resolved you know quickly and after about 15 minutes of constant yelling and Estes Park police put your hands up uh, a, an Estes Park police officer knocked on my door asked me to vacate for the time being uh, while they attended to their uh, you know their arrest and I got in my car and I drove across the, the road to the hospital that upper parking lot and just waited and uh, observed what was going on and that's when I saw like the couple dozen police cars the SWAT vehicle uh, they had like like high intensity lights shining on the on the building uh, I think I believe it was the third floor on this side here that unit um, and so I just kind of waited I had binoculars so I could kind of look at things a little more closely from my car and you know they they dropped the first uh, concussion charge, which was sudden and shocking and louder than I thought it would be. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, they just set something off in there. Uh, another few minutes passed, and then there was another one, which maybe was as loud, but because I'd heard the first one, I wasn't startled by it. So it had a different, a little different effect. Well, I can tell you, I heard it over on uh, Bird Street, both of them. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, it was it was quite loud and, and startling, and uh, at after that I I saw the a group of police come out with with an individual and they went to uh, one of the Estes Park police cars and put him in and and then finally I got back in my, I, I turned my car back on and drove back down. There was a policeman here. I said, "Is everyone okay?" Uh, can we come back in now? And he said, yeah, it's taken care of. And that was the end of it for that night. And then the following day around noon, I called Ponderosa Realty to inquire about it. And that's when they told me they didn't even know anything about it. And, and then it seemed like, you know, one, they didn't know anything about it. And two, they weren't really very concerned about it. And that's, and at this point, the conversation got more heated, if you will, uh, between myself and Seth, who was the one I was speaking to on the phone that day. And he, uh, you know, he pretty much said, we've got nothing to do with it and that's just too bad. And, and I'm talking, and I'm trying to talk about, you know, 
luckily nothing happened, but this is a safety issue. And, you know, I've, I've been forced to make all these calls leading up to now, and now this happens, and I, I'm very unhappy and scared now. And, uh, you know, he's like, no, well, that's not on us, and you can't blame us, and the thing, we just started kind of going back and forth, and then he hung up on me. I called back, and then I spoke to another representative, his name is Chris, and it was pretty much the same conversation just with a different person and at that point uh uh i i i left that i, I didn't go any further communicating with them because it, it seemed pointless and uh i mean they actually use chris used the word low priority when when i when i was talking about my concerns going on with, with what happened the night before and what specifically what were your concerns that he had got, gained entrance to the apartment. Was he being let? Did someone let him stay there? Um, was he on a lease? What, my, what were the concerns? Well, my best understanding is uh, his mother lives or lived in the unit uh, where he kind of barricaded himself in. So she has a lease or some sort of deal with Ponderosa Realty to to be staying here. I don't know the details of that, but so she was sort of harboring him or giving him shelter i don't know i mean if that's his mother i understand that that's probably something she would do my concern my concern was that i called about a suspicious person a month before this i've had to call i mean their the 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 upkeep of the property seems substandard and and so you know, i'm i'm concerned that that they're not taking care of their property and they're they're uh, writing up leases with people that are probably you know question marks I guess and so uh, that was that specifically was my concern and I, I'm just like if if this is how the property is going to be run I mean how how am I supposed to feel safe and how are the other residents supposed to feel safe there was no response to that so that was that's how i was trying to express myself and of course like i said it got heated and there was interruptions and things like that so it kind of became gibberish towards the end of the phone call like uh because no one's getting a word in edgewise i don't like being interrupted i'm sure they don't like being interrupted and it you know it just escalated as far as the negativity in the conversation okay um and how how long did you see this vehicle that you suspect he was in during that period of time? Uh, I saw it for, uh, well, how it all started was I didn't even notice it at first, but my upstairs neighbor, uh, there's a couple that lives above me, and uh, the young lady, her name is Mina, um, she knocked on my door and said, have you noticed this vehicle that's kind of lurking about? And I said, no, but I'll check it out. And so I... I checked out front and I'm like, Oh, well, there it is. Then that's a V and then I'm like, there's no license plates. And what type of vehicle was it? Uh, to the best of my recollection, it was a blue Honda that okay. did not have license plates on the front or back. And so, and I saw the gentleman in the car and there was like food and things like up on the dash, like you're eating in your car and, or, or hang out in your car, sleeping in your car. Uh, 
and I had noticed that someone had been going back and forth to the to the laundry machines, and it, it seemed off. So I saw it there, uh, and then w- he started moving his car. He would he wouldn't park at the same spot like indefinitely. He would move it to the other to the back parking lot, or then he move it back to the front parking lot. So I saw him every day or every few the, days. Like uh, every day for the, like three days that I saw it. And then when I called Glenn at Ponderosa Realty to report this, and he said his response was call the police, which I didn't do, uh, the day after that I didn't see the vehicle again. Okay. But you intended to call the police after that? Well, I, I wasn't sure. Uh, well, I mean, I may have if, if I had seen the vehicle remain there. Um, but I, I didn't immediately want to call the police because I didn't know the person. I'm right. not the property manager. Maybe somebody's having a bad day. I mean, do I? Is it fall upon me to, you know, cause more harm to somebody's life, some stranger? And I don't really know what's going on, so I I held back. And then when the car disappeared, I I, I left it alone. At that point, I didn't need to do any calling. And how long was it from the time the car disappeared till the the interaction with the police? Uh, the I made the call about the car to Glenn on November eighteenth. Okay, and then the the, the police action was in. December sixteenth. Okay, so about you know, a month. About a month, and 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 we'd heard. I, I mean, I think that APB or whatever you want to call it came out a week or two before. It was like a week. The the arrest. So, I mean, again. I'm not exactly sure that that was Shane Root in that blue Honda, but it seems striking that like this activity was going on, and then all of a sudden there was a concern, and his mother lives on lived. I'm not sure if she's still here in the building now, but uh, lived on the third in the floor, the third floor unit. Okay, um, and then what happened? I mean, the the real story here is not necessarily that there was SWAT action that happened. It's the response to your voicing concerns to your landlord what 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 happened after you you had the you know the the hot conversations with the landlord what happened was i wrote a letter to the actual owner that i mentioned in chicago illinois uh, because several years back he came here in person to inspect the property and he met me and gave me his business card and said you know, if if there's any reason you need to contact me, here's my contact information. So I still have the business card and his contact information. And so I wrote a letter to them uh, that weekend. So the Saturday and Sunday after the uh, SWAT incident and the conversation with uh, Ponderosa Realty the following day, I composed a letter. I attached photos kind of with you know, images of the other, the stuff that had been going on. I gave a, a detailed account of the SWAT incident. And I said, this is what is going on with Ponderosa Realty that's managing your property. Uh, and and I, I don't have any confidence now about how it's being run. So maybe you can talk to them. Okay. And I'm not sure if they did or they didn't. Um, you know, I don't know if they turned around to Ponderosa Realty and said, well, this, we got this letter. I'm thinking they probably did uh, because, like I said, that was I sent that on Sunday evening, and so I'm sure they got it Monday, whatever, uh, business hours, on the Monday the 20th of December. On Tuesday, December 21st, this was on my door. 
And this is a notice to quit. Yes. Which so, basically is a landlord not necessarily evicting you, but saying we no longer want to continue uh, a lease agreement, basically. Yeah, and, and because it's on a month-to-month -month lease, they have a lot more leeway as far as kind of uh, getting people out of, out of uh, properties. So... Um, this is and did they give you any i mean this doesn't seem to have any explanation as to why did they give you any explanation as to why they have never said any reason why uh they said at first they're just like we're just terminating the lease per our rights uh being that you're on a month-to-month -month lease we can do this and so um i wrote them i ended up then turning around and having to write them a letter regarding this going I'm in good standing I've never missed any rent there's no reason no warning no communication um, so you know and it seems rather um, interesting that this came out so quickly after I, I had to uh, communicate with you about the SWAT team incident which for me I, I mean in the moment I'm like if if bullets come through these thin walls I don't know like, no one knows where these bullets will go. Well, anyone who was up on the ABCs that night, we were all thinking that. You know, I have children at my house. Yeah. I know I was wondering, you know, where exactly this is happening. And, you know, they, the, when the, the reverse 911 came out that we need to shelter in place and no one's coming in the neighborhood, you worry about things like that. Exactly. And, you know, especially with children and just in general. Um, and then being a couple blocks over... You know, we still were able to clearly hear the 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 um, the concussion grenades that went off and yeah. the booms and such. Um, so I think that's a legitimate worry. Um, and they they never have responded. Did they respond to that letter at all? Um, they didn't really. They didn't respond to the letter. They just. Uh, I went into the office in person with a rent check. That's the rent check right there uh, for February's rent. And said, and I, I asked him, like, is there any way we can amicably resolve this? And the answer for the rent and for an amicable, resol amicable resolution was no. And I actually recorded that on my phone. I had a voice recorder. It's pretty muffled and scratchy, but you can make out like those bits of the conversation. So they, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't exactly know why. It's it's a priority for them now to get me out. Um, aside from the fact they don't like to hear people, you know, coming to them with with legitimate concerns about the habitability of the property and the safety uh, for the residents. I don't know. Um. So where do, where where does that leave you now? I mean, you've been here in in town for many years. Uh, you have an established you know job that you're working. You're full time here. Um, where, where does that leave you? What, what, what basically is going to happen now to you? It's very tough. Um, I am going to explore every legal option I have to, 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 to fight whatever I can fight uh, in this process of being evicted or, or whatever. So, you know, if I have to take it, I mean, I'm going to respond and say that I don't think this is a legitimate uh, proceeding and... So I, I will uh, take this to uh, the court to see what the decision is about that. But, uh, you know, I, I would rather not move 
I mean, right now there's nothing available it, it in is. apartments in in Estes Park. There's not even storage units available in Estes Park to put my stuff. Uh, so I reserved a, a storage unit down at Fort Collins today, just in case I need it. Um, so I'd have to move all the stuff all the way down down the valley because there's no place to keep it up here, and I have no idea, you know, if and when there's going to be availability for apartments and. I do know that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if something does come up, it'll. I'll have to pay more than I pay here. And I mean, if that's the case, you know, I'll have to live with that. But uh, but who uh, knows right now if you're right able now, to find anything. Right now, there is nothing available in, for apartments. So I need to go down to the uh, Estes Park Housing Authority and put my name on the wait lists for the various properties that they uh, are involved with. So, I mean, that's where it is. I mean, I'm going to keep working here. I'm not quitting my job. And, and I have lived and worked here. I know a lot of people here in town. Um, and so I have talked to my realtor friends and, and to see if they can hear or find out about any, you know, uh, apartments or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the case. I mean, I, I would prefer to stay here. I, in the letter that I wrote them, I said, you know, if, uh, kicking me out in the middle of winter, in the middle of COVID, like with no warning, no reason given, is not acceptable to me. Like I don't know why I would just walk away and go, okay, you know, that's what you said, and I guess I'll just do what you tell me to do. So, um, you know, I, I would be if if I could get a 12-month lease, and if the rent has to go up in line with kind of how prices are in the market now, I understand I would do that. Uh, but failing that, I will uh, I will file a suit of my own saying that this is all uh, a breach of, uh, as they say, warranty of habitability, which is the terminology uh, used as far as uh, tenant landlord issues um, in in the the research that I've done so far, you know, to deal with this, and uh, and so I'll I'll file suit and for damages for anything I possibly can. Okay, folks, that was the original interview that I did with Sam. Uh, I was able to catch up with him on Thursday just to see where things are progressing. I also reached out to the, the property management company via email and um, wanted to see if they wanted to give a statement and just tell their own side of the story. Um, they, they sent me back an email stating that they did not have permission to speak on it. Um, which I, I forwarded to Sam, and uh, he went ahead and, and forwarded back to them that they had permission to speak about it with me. Um, but at that point, they had just uh, taken some other legal action. So the response we got back after that was that because it is uh, a legal matter now that they would not be commenting. So I did try to reach out and get their side of the story. Every story has two sides. Um, and I always try to give both sides the same uh, opportunity and venue to talk about this. Um, and in the article itself that accompanies this podcast, you will see that there are pictures that Sam has furnished for me, uh, which talk about just kind of the state of uh, the apartment property where there was bags of trash that had been ripped open and spread all over. He had found some hypodermic needles right outside his window. Um, there had been flooding issues and uh, a lot of issues with abandoned furniture. So 
in, in, you know, to encapsulate all this, Sam feels that because he had complained about the state of the property um, and the upkeep, and then, you know, the icing on the, the cake was that he had, you know, reached out about this, uh, this person lurking in their car and around the property that turned out to be a, a very wanted and dangerous individual um, that the SWAT team had to be called in to remove from the property. Um, but because he, he was vocal and made these complaints, he feels that uh, that's the reason why he's being evicted um, during the winter time when we're in the middle of a housing crisis and uh, when we're still uh, in the thralls of a global pandemic. Granted, it's getting better on the COVID side, thankfully. So, um, But we did have a chance to, to catch up with Sam. So here's a quick... Um, update as to, to what's happening now. Okay, so uh, as it stands today, I received uh, an official eviction notice on the evening, uh, on Monday evening, this past Monday. And uh, the date uh, on the notice for uh, a court appearance is Friday, February 18th at 8.15 in Fort Collins, the courthouse. Uh, there I have to present an answer or they could, or the court or the judge could enter a default judgment uh, in favor of the landlord's uh, eviction notice and, and have me out of there, I guess, uh, 48 hours. Ponderosa Realty is taking the position that even though I've lived in this apartment for seven plus years uh, without, it, without ever missing any rent payments or being late, that now that I'm on a month to month, I'm not entitled to that 91 day period that uh, I would have been entitled to uh, had the lease been a 12-month lease. Uh, a week after the, uh, uh, the, time, the date on the notice to quit had, had passed, which was January 31st, uh, which was, the, I guess, the prior Monday, um, they, they waited a week. And then this past uh, Monday in the evening when I got home from my yoga class, uh, there was an eviction notice uh, attached to my door. And so I opened up the envelope and has all sorts of legal documents and a copy of the 12 month lease uh, that I initially signed with Ponderosa Realty. So um, now, did they give you any notices to say, hey, you know, at the end of any of your 12 month leases, did they ever come to you and say, hey, we're, we're gonna transition to a 30 day uh, no, or no. A, a month to month lease period? No, they did not send me any communication saying like offering to, uh, uh, you know, agree to another 12 month lease term period. Uh, it just converted. And I mean, that's part of that's, I mean, somewhat the negligence on my part, uh, because I mean, had I pursued that, I mean, maybe, you know, we'd have be having a different conversation, but it, it switched to a, a month to month without any sort of letter formally saying you're now on a month to month uh, agreement. Um, and that happens a lot, I'm guessing with, with tenants. Uh, and then with, with the whole COVID thing and everything, it, it never, I never really uh, revisited that. I mean, I didn't feel there was a need because I wasn't, uh, I mean, I'm not a problem tenant. Um, I mean, I, I expect uh, the property and uh, the habitability, the safety, the upkeep to be done because that's why we pay rent. And uh, that's why a property management company is hired to manage a property. Um, and so when that wasn't happening for over the course of the past year, and I didn't really have any uh, uh, choice but to 
um, you know, raise my concerns or, or, or uh, you know, make complaints about things that needed to be done or uh, things that weren't being done. Um, you know, that wasn't taken all too well from the property management company. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I think there's a bit of a climate of fear in on this property because uh, they're, the, the Ponderosa Realty is not known for its, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, reasonable discussion uh, when it comes to these type of complaints or like, you know, wondering when landscaping is going to be done or uh, if, you know, you know, mattresses or furniture are abandoned on the property and left to sit for months on end. Uh, and so I'm not so shy and retiring when it comes to that. So I, you know, of course, uh, would feel at some point and I, I would give them time to let it, to see if it would get done without having to make that call that things wouldn't get done. And then I wouldn't have any other choice. So, right. um, so a lot of other people I think are in the same boat, similar boat, but they don't, they, they don't say anything because they don't want, uh, to be retaliated against, which is completely understandable. Um, you know, there are, uh, families, uh, you know, families with kids, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, obviously they're, they're trying to, um, uh, walk a fine line there. So, so to, for, for the listeners that are, that are just hearing this, humanize this for us. How does this make you feel? I mean, you've been there for years and years. Um, where are you at right now? What, what, what are you going to do? It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's all up in the air. I mean, I have to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. I mean, I have, uh, I mean, it's after seven years um, of living here and, and, and doing my part as far as, uh, you know, uh, paying my rent and, and uh, keeping this apartment in good condition, etc. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a slap in the face. Okay, folks. Well, that's it for this interview. I thought this was an interesting story because it really illustrates some of the issues that people who rent here in Estes go through. These are people that are part of our community. They are our neighbors and, you know, they're, they're out there working their jobs. It's not like they're just freeloading. And even if you're paying your bills on time and never late, keeping your place clean, there's still a chance that you could be put out onto the street within a matter of weeks. So just something to keep in mind. And unfortunately, there just are no other apartments in Estes Park at all. Hopefully, we will begin to find some solutions on this. And uh, so later on this week, we're going to be doing a, uh, a rant. I'll be doing a rant podcast. I'm going to be talking about the CDC has just reversed a lot of their guidelines that they had put into place a couple years back. Now, these are guidelines that have really had a major negative impact on my family's uh, life and well-being. Um, and we'll get into that and, and what has happened with it and, and where we are moving forward um, for chronic pain patients across the country and just their quality of life. This is an issue that's near and dear to my heart, so we'll, uh, we'll see where that conversation goes. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining me once again on the Colorado Switchblade. We are Colorado's counterculture magazine, and I will talk to you next time. I'm Jason Van Tietenhove.